Beetle Bros. How you doing? Hey, my man. What's happening? Good evening. Uh, nothing. I, it, you know, it's been a good week. I, I, you know, I've started taking this podcast pretty seriously. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really focusing in. And so during this week's research and uh, transcendental meditation tri-day block, I uncovered a, a really cool document. I'm going to, I'd like to tell you guys a little bit about it. It's actually Phil Spector's contract for when he recorded uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. It turns out the eccentric producer asked for a variety of items. Pretty standard stuff, but you guys want to hear a little bit about it? For sure. Yes, All right. yes. All right, so yeah, there's the cost, what, it, what it's going to cost for him to produce the record, okay. Uh, he wants to be listed as executive producer. Kind of got a full head, anyone that wants to be listed as executive producer. Uh, he wants 12 piano players in the studio at all times, an Ampex 350 tape recorder, a new wig, four points on the back end. Wait, hold on. Wait, what? What? Oh, is that a surprise? I mean, I guess four points on the back end is a, a little steep, a little aggressive for a producer, but you know. No, that, no, no. The the wig. Phil Spector's oh, new wig? The wig. I I hadn't even thought of that. I, I guess it is a high price to pay. Sano. <laughs> 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 Welcome back to Blotto Beatles. Welcome back to those of you who praise John, those who worship at the Temple of George, those who send your hosannas to Paul, and those who seem to like good night a little too much considering your age. It's a children's song. Yes, yes, a grand welcome to you all back to the show where the Tipsy Trio reviews the Fab Four. I encourage you all at this point to sit back, crack a cold one, and get ready to enjoy Blotto Beatles responsibly. It's great to be here with my buds on our sixth episode. Hard to believe, guys, uh, but if my calculations are correct... Again, you guys hear this Foley work I'm doing? I'm really going for a potty this year for Foley work. If my calculations are correct. Uh, we're, we're around 225 minutes, and at 225, we have now more podcasting minutes than there are nanas in Hey Jude. Huge accomplishment, my guys. A toast to you all and to where we are in our sixth episode. My name, friends, is Tommy. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, everyone here to you tonight that's in this recording venue, the virtual Twickenham Studios, where we've moved for the evening. It's a little chilly in here, boys, but uh, let's get started. We have our co-host with us, Becker. How you doing tonight? Hey, bud. What's happening? How's your uh, How's your week in Beatles been? Week has been okay. Been an, a nice week of diving into the song. What about you? What are you up to? Uh, I had a really great week. I was really happy to spend uh, a good chunk of time with with Let It Be that I had sort of let sit for a while. I'm going to be real honest. I, I don't want to I don't want to tease the song or the album too much, but. Um, I almost listened to Let It Be nearly exclusively this week, and um, it was it, it did me really well. Yeah, I did the same, and I, I jumped back also into a uh, 
bootleg Vimeo of the original uh, movie as well, which was a cool experience. Uh, with us also in the virtual studio, we have executive producer, Scotty C. How you doing tonight, Scotty? I'm doing well. Um, I just want to uh, be on the record saying I didn't ask for the executive producer uh, title. Oh. And I, I, I just... I would say that he begged for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it totally fits for you. The uh, executive producer, we call him the George Martin of New England, everybody. It's Scotty C. Great to have you thank here you. again, man. Thank you. Thank you. And we got with us tonight a, a very special guest. We have our inaugural guest on the Blotto Beatles podcast, uh, an old friend of mine, an old friend of the show, uh, live from the, the tough streets of Chicago. We have our, our good friend, Mike, a guy I've known for a lot of years and uh, really happy to have you here, Mike, as our first guest. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to have this guy on. A uh, great friend of mine uh in my life almost uh as long as i've known tommy i think uh we've talked a lot of music and probably talked a, a lot of shit so i'm I'm hoping some of that happens this evening yeah and i would i would argue the great unrecognized blogger of the early 2000s <laughs> in the studio with us tonight i didn't i didn't know that you're gonna bring it up my old blog spot <laughs> Uh, I've always pictured him as a guest, even when we were really just sort of wishing this thing to be uh, a podcast. So to have him as our first guest is, is all that sweeter. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Mike. Yeah, welcome, bud. And and here's what I'll say. You did such a good job with that. Hey, how are you? I think we can keep you on the show for the rest of the time. <laughs> this has gone well so far. So I'm just going to start with a quick question to you. Just, you know, a little get to know you with the audience here. Um, we're going to delve into this deeper throughout the episode, but... It, if you can just give us quickly, like, what's your personal connection to the Beatles? What do you think? Why are you here? Um, your feelings on the Beatles in a, in a few seconds. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I wondered if I should have thrown this to Becker, because in the lead up, he was very much, uh, you know, he knows my, my approach to the Beatles, my feelings and stuff like that. And I, I actually wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear... <laughs> Your take on the Beatles. That's what I, uh, I, I spec this out last week when we were talking off mic with everyone where I was like, I think it's interesting to have uh, Mike on because I know probably more about his take on the Beatles than, than everyone else does. But um, I think in the shortest term, I would say that you are very aware of the Beatles, that for, but for you, they never really moved the needle all that much. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's the... Uh... Yeah, I was going to say that's the diplomatic stance. It's not so much. Uh, I don't like the Beatles. I think uh, sometimes it gets wrapped up in other stuff for me that, sure. uh, you know, I'm not as big a fan of. But And I it, hope we, we talk about all that. But what do you ha do you have any sort of first memory of hearing the Beatles? I don't like, uh, you know, my dad wasn't in the Beatles. My parents weren't into music a lot in general. I don't think my dad listened to a lot of uh, Irish music. So a lot of the Chieftains and the Clancy brothers and stuff like that. So uh, stuff that maybe Bob I don't Dylan know if you know this, liked. but the Beatles actually invented Irish music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. I now that you say it, I see a lot of. Uh, <laughs> And this is why you made the most logical sense to be our first guest on Blotto Beatles, where we dive in in depth to a single Beatles track uh, every other week under a heavy amount of drinking. 
Oh, speaking I, of drinking, I, I get the drinking part. Yeah, so the, <laughs> why you invited me? So you're into that. So Mike, why don't you? Uh, let's start with you for this next part here. Why don't you tell us what's in your cups tonight? What What are you drinking? Well, uh, I don't know if this is too much of a peek behind the curtain, but when we were before the show, I had a. Um, I always pronounce it wrong, but a Bavardier, which is basically a um, a Negroni with either rye or bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I went with rye for the first time. It, it wasn't as much as I, I like the bourbon, surprisingly. Uh, usually I can't tell the difference, to be honest. <laughs> and now I'm working on a uh, reverse Manhattan. What is it, that? Yeah, what is that? Uh, it's a Manhattan with the in, the ratio of the ingredients reverse. So it's more uh, vermouth than, uh, than whiskey. Yeah. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Never had it. Did we all see Stanley Tucci throw a lot of shade to Martini and Rossi sweet vermouth, which which I will admit did make me go to the store and be like, am I not buying the best vermouth I can be drinking? Well, wait, so uh, are we in vermouth talk now? Uh, <laughs> it's Tucci time. This is a new segment on the podcast. I know he got he got a lot of uh, crap because he shook his, uh, his Negroni, yeah. which you're not supposed to do. Um, yeah, like I use Martini and Rossi... You know, in a pinch. I, I don't know. It's always there. Uh, I feel like Dolan's usually the one that you get if you're feeling a little fancy. And then this one, I actually have the Carpano Antico. Cause oh, I was treating That's myself. what I picked up, inspired by Tucci. I was like, oh, you know, this bottle inspires oh, to be like, I'm spending more by money. by far and know. away the best. Inspired by Tucci is actually the title of my memoirs, guys. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Becker, what do, you, what do you got in the cups tonight? Uh, I went down the Negroni path. I've been really sort of shifting to gin, so I've been happy about that. Uh, I've been trying to drink locally, more locally, like keeping my dollars as closer to home as I can. So I'm drinking a short path gin, which is made down the street in Everett, uh, in what they're sort of dubbing the fermentation district. And then I have a couple of beers on tap, and one of them is a, a Bona Brewing, which is uh, next door to Short Path and a place that you and I have had a, a couple of beers at. Yeah, that place is great. They were playing Fugazi on the radio. They had Cheetos on the wall. It was everything I've ever dreamed in a bar. <laughs> uh, tonight, guys, uh, I uh, you know, I switched things up. So it's we're at the end of Mayo. And so uh, being at the end of Mayo, I, I've closed the door on margaritas this evening as I've enjoyed the last few episodes we've had together. Uh, I was walking in the garden today, just, you know, over my fields, you know, looking over my many tracks of land outside and, uh, stumbled upon the herb garden, remembered I had some mint. So we're having a mint julep this evening, uh, with some classic Jim Beam black bourbon, which is, uh, uh, something that I've really come to enjoy the Jim Beam black. I think they're, they're doing something nice there for the price point. Is um, that um is that a local bourbon? Yeah, you know, it's totally uh <laughs> small batch local. <laughs> and uh but speaking of local, I come I'm finishing up the mint julep right now and we're moving on to Mashby, Massachusetts Knockabout Brewery. Uh I've got the Tides Voyage 53, which is a New England IPA ready and waiting in the holster here. So feeling prepared for the episode and uh I do want to hear from one other guy, The always the surprise of the evening. Uh, Scott, what are you drinking tonight? I can't wait to hear about this. I switched it up uh, only a little. Aperol spritz. <laughs> I have um, a tall glass of water. <laughs> um, 
I I went back to the Slane Castle or the Slane Irish whiskey again um, due to cost. Perfect. Was it a Was it a new bottle since we last broadcast? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this show is like your parents like sharpieing their like vodka bottle in their liquor cabinet because it's almost like, hey, what uh you guys still drinking the same bottle? And it, it rarely is. But. Yeah, the answer is always no. It's also worth pointing out we're still under sort of pandemic times. Mm-hmm. Um so we're all home. We're doing this responsibly, <laughs> but having a little fun with it too. Scotty's uh, already given us the hook on this episode. <laughs> 20 minutes. So before we, uh, we dive deep into this week's episode, you know, Becker, we never know in a week uh, whose first episode it is, who's coming in to hear our hot takes on local breweries and who's coming to hear about the Fab Four. So uh, let, let's just give the people a taste. If you could just give an overview for us, who are the Beatles? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've become, you know, nearly scholar level about about the the fantastic four and so if you're just looking for a little brush up i'd love to give it to you so i found this interesting but at the height of their power um they apparently had signed the most lucrative recording contract to date so i can certainly see why we're talking about them for you know for the next 200 episodes but rewinding just a little bit further um apparently they crawled out of the south and they were four lovable lads from athens georgia mike michael you know peter and bill uh and uh, they defined college rock. Hey. They lost religion. Hey, Becker. But found success in stadiums uh, near and far. This is sad. This is sad. I no. I, I think I the think be- you missed the, the Beatles. mark again. What's that? The the Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles. I I don't think that's who you're talking about. Uh, you who may you may be talking about college rock stalwarts REM at this point. I'm not so sure that. Tracks like, and, and Mike, do you know these songs? Star Club 69, um, You've Gotta Hide Your Love Away to Reno. And I think this was a big hit, uh, Driver 8 Days a Week. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're down the wrong road again. One of these weeks, though, man, I like, you're going to nail this. I really believe it. It's close. Hopefully before I debase myself for 200 more episodes, I'm going to get this gag right. But on a very serious note, our guest is a huge REM fan. And so I'm sure this is going to come up again and again. But quick question for you. Do you think that REM Sing for a, Sum- Sing for a Submarine is the spiritual sequel to Yellow Submarine? <laughs> I feel like, uh, like you know all this stuff from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this isn't natural. <laughs> like, you're bringing up Sing for the Submarine. <laughs> off of your favorite a, a deep album? deep cut album? off of their second to last album. <laughs> Do you not think it's bold for them to write a song about a submarine? Oh, like, uh, they after Yellow Submarine, it's like, oh, yeah. we can't write any more songs more about Moratorium on submarine songs, yes. I, I absolutely will go to the grave with that notion. <laughs> Ah, uh, there goes my octopus's garden <laughs> song. <laughs> it was about, I mean, different stuff, but like it mentions octopuses and gardens. <laughs> I would also call that a uh, territory you can't tread upon. Like it's it's been addressed. Oh, someone's an IP lawyer now. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I think let, the... let's save it 
for the the Michael Stipe expose I'm working on on the side. Okay, can we do that? And without uh, further ado, I think maybe it's time to get into this week's The Word. Hey guys, it's Tommy. Tommy back with the word here. Um, we have a guest in the studio. You heard that. We're going to go to an evergreen. You guys okay with that tonight? Absolutely. I what? think this is a solid uh, guest intro. So let's take it back to the first episode. Uh, the original, you know, primordial episode of Blotto Beatles. We spent a little time trying to explain to the our dear listeners who the Beatles were. Um, going through the entire history, we had 60 seconds to do that. Mike, I'm going to throw 60 seconds on the clock. You get to try in your best to explain who the Beatles are, what they did, what they were about. You, you ready to do that? I'm ready. Good. Three, two, one, go. There was George. There was Ringo. He played drums. There was John. There was Paul. It's four Beatles. There are actually guy, two guy guys before that. Their names lost to history. <laughs> Uh, they played a lot in Germany, which, like, is a weird starting point because the only other bands to be big in Germany were Nitzer Ebb, Rammstein, and uh, Nick Cave. And you're halfway there. All right. <laughs> Song-wise, uh, I don't know a lot of them. There is a, <laughs> let me, okay, I'm going to use the last 20 seconds to talk about the Ruddles. You got to know... <laughs> Monty Python. Right, if you know Monty Python, there's this guy, Eric Idle, and he uh, made a band called The Ruddles, which is like a parody of The Beatles. And I think one of the songs was like, All You Need Is Cash, which. And that's little... time. Great ending. <laughs> I pretty much nailed it, I think. I, I don't know yeah. if I could have done much better. Really found a way to weave in The Ruddles while also talking about The Beatles' <laughs> entire catalog somehow. <laughs> All the way from Hamburg yeah. to Hamburg. That was an extensive coverage about uh, the Fab Four. Who? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't think John Paul was one person that they just had invited a pope <laughs> into the band. I was worried for you. So it would have been better if I started talking about the uh, the University of Michigan uh, basketball team, the Fab Five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, there's... Not Juan Howard, they, they, Chris Webber, black shorts, they wore black socks, guys. I think uh, Jalen Rose was one of them. Yeah, yeah, then, uh, Jalen Rose, that's right. Chris there's Weber? a fifth guy no one will ever get. Oh. So you weren't exposed much to the Beatles as a young man. And, you know, what is your relationship with the Beatles now? Like, will you put it on? Are you curious? You're, you're a Stones man. Like, where do you, where do you classify yourself? I am a, I am a Stones man. That's uh, probably one of my top five or ten bands. Uh, but um, you know, obviously, like the Beatles are so pervasive that it's it's. I know how dare me, they be so good, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, it's like it's almost too much to like like 
just have a moment and sit down with it. Like I've given it a few tries uh, (laughs) here and there, but here, there and everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Always with the LSM Marine with this guy. Obviously I'm amazed by like their, their output. I'm amazed. It's kind of like appreciating the person who came up with the alphabet. That's what I've always said. Like, but do you not think that the Beatles even sort of paved the path for your, your precious Rolling Stones, you know, like, Even though they only had a step or two ahead of the Beatles and they sort of, uh, you know, we talked about it earlier, but they almost get the better of the Beatles a couple of times. But the Beatles had to define what it meant to sort of be the rock star in this era or to be the pop star in this era. And they had to do the goofy movies um, and they had to do the, the, the songs about holding your hand and all of that. And that sort of opened the door for like a bad boy to come in and do it. And, And do you give the Beatles any credit for for that? Not what to be the like the yin to the yang, I guess. Uh, like I wouldn't. I would even. I would say. Uh, oh, you were going to say Joker to Batman because that's <laughs> the example you always go with. I would see say a, a gentleman opening the door for um, another scrubbier looking gentleman behind him. Yeah, I mean, there's always that. Like they both follow the same path of like the first few albums. You know, it's it's a lot of covers and you know, like like a little appealing to the teenage market well isn't there uh, isn't there also something to be said for the fact that like exile on main street they're recording like 71 or 72 right which is a record i absolutely adore i think it's great but that's they're like oh let's just strip it down and just do it live again sort of thing like even up to that point like a year later they're riffing off what the beatles did they're uh, all those bands at that time i mean maybe it's apocryphal now but uh, you know, the Beach Boys, the Stones, whoever, they were all playing off of each other. It was like, yeah. these guys did this, now what can we do? And yeah. so obviously that made them better. Uh, I mean, is that what you're looking for? I feel like... Uh, There's no right you know, answer. You coming at me? <laughs> <laughs> this is defending the Rolling Stones with... No, no, no. I, I, no. I, I will I, uh... never not give the Beatles credit. I mean, they're a great band. Like, But obviously... When you put together, we all put together a top 10 list at the end of the year. Yeah. Are we necessarily doing it on what's the best music or what's our favorite music? Right. You know? Sure. And yeah. it's always like a combination of the two we'd like to think. But I mean, here's the thing. If you don't like the Beatles now, I'm not going to try and convince you. You know, I mean, that's that's you've had all the opportunity and, and you are uh, someone whose opinion I respect very highly. And if you haven't found your spot in the Beatles, then then I respect that. And <laughs> That's why I'm most curious to hear why you picked this tune. Yeah, wait, why did you kick him out of the Zoom just then? (laughs) (laughs) Strange. It's it's not that I don't like the Beatles. I just haven't found my foothold, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd always rather put on Sticky Fingers or Exile than, or, uh, you know, a million other albums. (laughs) So, Becker, uh, you know, this may seem like a freewheeling affair for everybody but it, it, we're pretty strict around here at team Blotto beatles a lot of rules a lot of guidelines we follow we right run a run a tight tight ship can you can you tell them about it so this this may be the first time you're with us or like us you remember nothing from last episode so here's a quick rundown of our strict show structure um a few days ago producer scotty c messaged us with a track of the week He's required to alternate between primary Beatles and across albums so that we don't get uh, fixated on a specific path. 
Uh, we take that track in separately and without much discussion and uh, decide on how we're going to tackle it for the episode. Uh, today we're remote, so we hopped on the line just a little bit earlier and drank a few drinks and hit record and got down to it. I, I hope that someday in the future that uh, we'll all be able to sit together and do this um, and maybe even bring in our, our very special guest. Um, as we get talking, we're all anxiously awaiting the, the evening's magical mystery word, which is sort of a Pee Wee's Playhouse style word of the day that if any of us utter it uh, requires the show to immediately come to a halt. And everyone I hope on deck has a shot uh, and we are required to immediately take that. If we do mention the word again, we also take that shot again. So, um, and, and then again, really why we're here is that we are making a list and this is like the canonical argument ending disagree destroying rank of Beatles songs one to like 213 or 215 something like that I, I think we haven't decided but uh, and we make this list by slotting in each incoming song um, so it's it's about to get pretty complicated and finally at the end sort of as a love letter to those lovable lads and to you our listeners uh, we end the episodes episode we end the evening's episode in a karaoke sing-along uh, performed at the height of our inebriation. And that karaoke track is painstakingly prepared by producer Scotty C and a uh, great friend of the show, RB. And those are the rules. We broke the rules. Hey, Scotty C, man. Uh, tell us why we're hanging out this weekend. Well, this is an exciting episode. We have our first guest. Uh, Mike's here with us, and as Blattle uh, Beetle rules go, the guest picks the song. So I did not pick this week's song, and um, I'm excited to uh, get into it, though. It, the song that Mike picked is I've Got a Feeling, off of the Let It Be album, which came out after Abbey Road, though it was recorded before it. It was the Beatles... You know, get back to the old times and getting four guys in the room together and record some music. And uh, we'll get into how that went. But um, this was an equal collaboration type song with John and Paul. Like two songs came together. And it's uh, it's interesting to to hear both of them in their own ways on a track like this. It was captured in the studio, but the recording that you hear, I believe is from that legendary outdoor performance on top of uh, the EMI building. It's a classic configuration with John and George on guitar, Ringo on drums, Paul on bass, and, and mainly, you know, John and, George, uh, John and Paul singing. But that's all kind of boring. I want to hear what Mike has to say for why he picked this one to, uh, to, talk, to talk to us about. I picked this one, uh, and I'm going to get a little bit 33 and a third right now, but um, I remember when I was in, in high school, um, there was an alternative radio station that came out, and they would play B-sides, they would play just anything they could get their hands on, and obviously Pearl Jam was huge at the time, and they would play this song, and... It was amazing because, I mean, I loved the song. I, I thought it was so good. And there were rumors that it was a Beatles song. And, of course, we could never be for sure back then, back in the 90s. <laughs> uh, there was no way of knowing without asking your dad. And, like, 
it just seems so weird. I was like, this doesn't sound like a Beatles song. And, it, you know, now I listen to it and I get it. You know, I, I get a lot of it and I've gotten a lot more out of it. And as much as I, I talk shit at the beginning of this, like I, I really pulled some things out of this, really having to dive down into it and, and think about it and, and sing it and look at the lyrics. I, I got a lot out of it and I, I actually really appreciate that part of this exercise but yeah a lot of it is you know this idea of uh you know there was a little bit of a wild west in music uh back when i was younger <clears throat> excuse me and uh it, it, like i i just you know loved that feeling of discovery and that you know you thought you knew every beatles song because they were all played on beatles brunch and this was it was something I just didn't know, and it was great to kind of be introduced to that. Let's give it a listen. I wanted to talk one second about before we talk about the Beatles and maybe talk about this Pearl Jam version of this tune because I am. I'm aware of this song before we were recording this episode of the podcast, but I'm aware of this very much later in life. And I have always taken this as a very sort of, it's a bold angle to rewrite um, Beatles lyrics. And at the time that Pearl Jam was doing this, especially uh, it's a bold time to sort of uh, like insert yourself into the narrative of Beatles song. Uh, And maybe you didn't care about that at the time, but I think it's very funny to, to change lyrics. Like it's almost, you know, not not paying respect or, or whatever it is. Uh, but on this podcast, we do like to throw out a couple of toasts. And I think that we could appropriately toast Andy Wood, who is uh, mentioned heavily in the in this song. They talk about Temple. They talk about missing Andy. And, uh, you know, cheers to that dude. When, Mike, are you aware of Beatles lyrics in this tune? Like, did you know at the time that sort of there was Pearl Jam, tune, uh, Pearl Jam lyrics in this? No, I, I mean, I'm sure I did. Because, I mean, I was aware of Andrew Wood at the time. I, it, everyone was, you know, when Pearl Jam came out. I'm turning this into a Pearl Jam podcast. <laughs> a band I'm not even a big fan of at this point. But um, If you had to make a drunken Pearl Jam podcast, yeah, what would you call there's, it? Um, like, I, you know, at the time... And this kind of goes into it, like, you're just hungry for anything that was involved with that. And would, you it, say, would, would you say you were on a hunger strike in that way? Yeah. Motherfucker. Were you going, <laughs> were you going hungry? <laughs> uh, I love that you knew it was coming before I... <laughs> oh, <and> like, <laughs> you, you, just, you set him up, man. I'll knock him down. All right. All right. Okay. You know, like... Anything that you had at that point that that you loved, you you like glommed onto. Like if they gave that imprimatur yeah. to something. And I was thinking about this sure. recently with bands that there are these bands out there that like you never really got into on your own. But like Nirvana was like, have you heard the raincoats? Have you heard the slits? Like yeah. these sure. bands would just mm-hmm. exist as like touchstones for other bands. 
yeah, can I play I, the part of the total dummy here for a minute? What is the the Pearl Jam connection that, I, that I, I'm I, not they realizing? Just play, they just played it live. Like I've, I mean, I've heard the cover they did, but what did they? Uh, what was the alteration or the the change that? I, I, I actually I don't know. This is Becker brought it up, and uh, I'll be honest. Like I haven't listened to the Pearl Jam version in a while. It's just when I saw I've got a feeling, you know. It it really, as a lot of music should, you know, give you the sense memory of, mm-hmm. you know. I'll, I'll be happy to play it. Let's give it a taste. Everybody misses Andy. Everybody put the war down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, Mike, you came at it from the, the Pearl Jam angle, but I, I assume you sort of chewed over that the fact that the Beatles have, you know, taken a stab at this tune. And uh, what did you think about that? I mean, the thing I like about it is uh, I think you got at it at one point. Um, it, it's it's very anti-Beatles, you know, like, I mean, they're known for their production and everything like that. And this, I, I wrote it down somewhere where I was like, if this isn't the first take, like, fuck you. You know, like, <laughs> you know, if this is like the 50th take where they're yeah. still like leaning over the shoulder and being like, oh, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. it, there's a rawness to it. You there's didn't nail uh, that 40th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Phil Spector's just hammering on the glass. <laughs> like, you motherfucker. Yeah, I told you. He's showing his pistol just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's in the red, like it's recorded kind of in the red. There's a little bit of like fuzz around the edges. Like, yeah, like I love that. And I was thinking today about how much I love like, like, um, Neil Young albums when I was a kid, because it would be like, oh, here's a live version of it, you know, <laughs> like in the middle of a studio album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul is not famous for sort of going into this realm of, of tunes. And so I, I, I am really excited to have him, him do this on, on let it be, uh, let it be the record. I think itself is, is almost like this compromise solution. Like Paul wanted to, he wanted to play live again and no, none of the other Beatles wanted to. So, and I don't think, you know, like, uh, I've given Paul a little grief on this podcast and maybe I want to step it back just a slightly, we've got a long way to go, but, um, Paul being like, Hey, like if we're a band, like maybe we should play live is not such a negative thing. I don't think at the time, you know, but the other boys are just, not that into. I don't know what Ringo thinks about it, honestly. But George does not want to play. <laughs> oh, I live. heard. A, I heard a great Ringo quote actually, and can I paraphrase it for you briefly here? He says, uh, "Paul wanted to let it be our return to live music. John wanted to let it be a raw rock and roll record. Phil Spector wanted it wanted to let it be the greatest production masterpiece of all time, and I wanted to just let it all be over." <laughs> Really? Yeah. Wow. Where was he rushing off to? <laughs> Dude, I'd hang out with that guy. <laughs> yeah. <thought>. yeah, Ringo <laughs> Rama. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things I go back to and sort of talking about that this record was recorded in 1969 and the Beatles are like, they're kind of in their own bubble. Like clearly there's a Beatles bubble and, and there's uh, driven by ego. But um, at the same time that they're recording Let It Be, they're they're recording the first Black Sabbath record, which I think is 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 kind of an interesting touch point. I mean, like that it, that could probably not be any different, or couldn't be more different than what's going on. And then back here in the states, um, 
the Stooges are putting out their first album. So like I I think it's amazing to be like they are still uh like digging a pony and <laughs> Iggy wants to to be your dog. Like the the they are the old guard now. Like we are celebrating them and I think this is an amazing point and I fucking love the rooftop footage. With, like, What was the magical mystery word? Rooftop. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, boys. Son of a bitch. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Let's not say that. That was like Casamigos. I should probably get another. (laughs) (laughs) Little throwback to Becker. Callback. That's what you clearly wanted us to do the shot. When Scotty records this show on a work night, we somehow never hit the mystery word. <laughs> <It's weird. laughs> so it's, in a way, we almost need to talk about this sort of as two separate songs. And I think it's pretty interesting that um, that everyone is like, oh, this is a return to the, the Beatles writing together. And like, this is Lennon and McCartney, like having equal footing, because like. It's kind of bullshit, right? Because like it's two songs smushed together, and then they're like, "Oh, this is a refer- return to like since um since a day in the life," which is also two songs smashed right. together. Like a day in the life is not two men singing into a microphone, which, as Mike knows, is something that I'm super passionate about. <laughs> I, I love two men sharing a microphone. <laughs> uh, I think it's I think it's amazing. I wish that they were on the rooftop sharing a microphone. Have, have you heard oh, yeah, back to back? Have you heard the original? <laughs> oh, by the rules of the podcast, I said that was like a minute later. <laughs> We're in trouble, guys. I think that's not good. <laughs> hey, we're all at home. Yeah. Enjoy Bottle I'm Beatles su- responsibly. <laughs> I'm surrounded by pillows. Cool. All right, gentlemen, we need to stop saying the word that's a synonym with the top of the building. Okay, <laughs> at this point and moving yeah. forward. Uh, I do want to come back to what Becker just said, though, about the, the idea of the two songs smashed together. And I was... Um, you, you know, I was looking into like how much is John's, how much is Paul's, what what is really going on here? Um, there's a recording. I don't know if you guys have heard this of John playing this song prior. This is a White Album era. He's writing this as a song. Um, it almost to me sounds like Julia in, in its composition. Yeah. And uh, it, it in the way he's playing it, and but these are the lyrics over it, and it's really interesting to me the the way it lands. So, uh, Scotty, can you just put that on for a sec? Everyone had a hard year. Everyone had a good time. Everyone got the boot in. Everyone saw the sunshine. Everyone had a hard year. So it carries on like that for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, it's definitely got that Julia feel in the way he's playing the guitar yeah. and the chords he's playing. I don't know. The if guitar he, playing is very Julia. If he turns that into Julia, maybe I don't know the the guitar part there and just rewrites it and then has those lyrics for later. I do think it's really interesting that the lyric "Everyone got a boot in" uh, it, when we're looking at like the I, I maybe this is just a connection I'm making of like Lennon during the Let It Be era and the heroin stuff going on like. Is this starting to creep into his consciousness at this point a bit? And I don't know. But 
So the, did he say everyone had a facelift? Yeah, I think that's 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 his lyric change in there is everyone had a facelift. But I also think that very rarely is um, Lennon represented as vulnerable as he is in that demo, right? Like every lead Lennon lyric is much more powerful or manipulated or something that doesn't give you that earnestness that that track brought on until until way later. Like, I don't feel like he plays with that dynamic until the solo material. Totally. Yeah, he he hides that a lot. And whether it's through like uh, effects that he makes George Martin put on his vocals or it's yeah. through like uh, n- naming a song Tomorrow Never Knows, which was a throwaway line that Ringo said to like blank out these heavy, like uh, psychedelic and, and, you know, kind of uh, death you know, the, the the theme of death and, and dying being so prevalent in that song. Like, he, he's like, all right, let's bring that down a notch. He's not comfortable with putting himself out there. I think you're right till the solo stuff. Uh, I wanted to talk about Paul first about this track because he comes in first. But we're talking about John now. So, like, he's had a hard year. He's been divorced. He's he's not hanging out with his kids. And he's been arrested for weed. And now he's he's into heroin, which is pretty intense back then. Like, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I don't know thank who you're God it's not so with. intense these days. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's super casual. <laughs> it's awesome that we can all be casually into heroin and do this podcast. But one note that I really found interesting, and I think it came back from a, a, a bunch of the biographies I read, but recently the the uh, Revolution in the Head, the Ian McDonald um, uh, book, is that Yoko Ono very much believes that all art is self-referential, whether you are intentionally making that or uh, it's coming out on its own is that all art is intentionally self-referential. And sure. so um, that's interesting, yeah. you believe that all the time. That's, I mean, that's art. That's art is, <laughs> <laughs> but I believe that the Beatles and, and very much Paul McCartney wants to pretend that he is writing about something else. Even that they, is from your own viewpoint. Like that's art. The art, art is how you process the outside world from your your inner self, I've, I've but, thought a lot about this. <laughs> uh, but no, that's the way I feel. Like uh, you know, no matter what it is, like you see something on the street, and you're like, "That's horrible." Something uh, someone else sees that it's beautiful. Like, does the maker art. always put themselves into it to a degree, though? Like, uh, I don't a, know. A, a maker can't not put themselves into it because that's the way they're seeing it. Even if they like think they're like, <laughs> Here, here's here's where I'll, I'll get into REM. This is a dumb thing, but <laughs> Monster. Thank God we're it, finally getting into REM. <laughs> <laughs> Monster is. I remember this because it came out when I was in high school and I was trying to be a writer. And Michael State was talking about how everything he wrote was like he was taking the worst parts of himself and like amplifying it. You know, yeah. like, here's a user, here's this person, here's this person. So, like, no matter what you do, even if you're like, what's it like to be, like, an abuser? Like, it's still the way you refract reality. So, it's interesting because uh, I I have a couple but, notes that I don't even know how to put into words at the moment. But, like, I accuse Paul uh, of basically not doing what we're talking about. I, I, am, I am generally in agreement that... Anything you sort of are putting out there is is art, and there's some part of you in it. I believe that, and that and that Paul avoids that. 
I think that Paul is super fucking guilty of like, like we're writing about raccoons around and it, and like, yes, absolutely. Listen, the guy's like, last name a, is Raccoon. First of all, <laughs> he's not <laughs> <a> Raccoon. <laughs> it's a family of raccoons. But so, in the world of in the world of callbacks, so last week I gave Paul a pretty rough time um, because the other boys. We were talking about Revolver. We were talking about Good Day Sunshine, and the other boys are so turned on. And then Paul is like, I have a fucking song that's about going on a picnic. And you're like, is this art? You know, like, I don't know. Well, and then in this song, Paul is like, I have a feeling. And I'm like, I all right, man, thing. I am on board. Like, you have a feeling like I am listening, you know. Well, that's I mean, all of this is like people figuring out how they can express themselves. Yeah. You so, know, wait, and, Sorry, right. and I hate to interrupt you, uh, but I, like you were talking about Paul and the lyrics, and I'm with you, Becker. Like the let's talk about the feeling, and then let's go to the second verse for a second. Please believe me, I'd hate to miss the train. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> if you leave me, I won't be late again. Yeah. So what? Right. Like, all, how does that have to do with the train? But but that's also a lose lose. <laughs> like, so wait, if you if you leave me, that's yeah, when I'm going to change the what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, so like, that's the monkeys have always yeah. already covered this on fucking last train to Clarksville. And maybe that Neil, maybe Neil Diamond wrote this. Like, I'm not sure, but like, it's already well covered. Okay, so um, can I say like, <laughs> you're looking for meaning in it and there might not be meaning in it. The, the meaning comes from like how they interpret something. This is like yeah. a blues song and it's this yeah. white dude from England doing this. And yeah. so the, Art, quote unquote, is like capturing how this Lilliputian at the end of like this. I thought Lilliputian was going to be the uh, magic monster. <laughs> I felt safe using it now. I was, I, I was, I wanted to use it so much earlier. Mike, what you're forgetting is that we are running a Beatles podcast where I need to figure out things to talk about. <laughs> so this was one of them that I wrote down. Well, and, and now, well, now uh, I'm taking the tiger by the tail. <laughs> we have. We have barely touched John on this song. Like Paul, Paul is in love. He's about to marry Linda. Like his, the love of his life. Like Paul and Linda never spent a night apart. And that is, that's fucking amazing. You know, like we are all men in love and. And we love to spend a night apart from our ladies. We love. (laughs) We talked about it before. (laughs) Like but guys, if, guys, if, what do you like? The yeah. Beatles or spending the night apart from your woman? <laughs> if I had to answer my it's, like it's like that great Rolling Stone song that you love, Mike. Let's spend the night apart now. <laughs> if I had to intro Mike again, I would say he's a guy who loves love, you know. And so <laughs> it's interesting that uh, this is Paul, sort of like. You know, I love you. And he can barely be honest because he still brings in the train reference. And I'm sure these fuckers aren't riding trains. And it's sort of still cheeky. It's still like a reference to one after nine or nine, which comes after. Um, And I, you know, there's something about it I don't trust. And then John comes in and I trust it. Like there is something here where like, I mean, let's it. Is this as crass as the Beatles get that they say wet dream? Well, then Paul, like Paul wants to play like with dudes. <laughs> I've two I like about one that. <laughs> and one is like at the end of this, you know, like, like, you know, they're 
they're not at each other's throats, but they do not like each other. And yeah. they're so co-writing shit. So it's like everything like a subtweet where it's just like, sure. oh, you wrote this like pretty little blue song. Like, fuck you. Wet dream. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Was that a fuck yeah. you? Paul's like, oh, you want to sort of marry our lawyer's daughter? And it's like, I'm having fucking wet dreams and hanging out with Yoko. And- right. And it's I like. I felt like it was a little bit of like, they hit that point. In the, so to come back to Day in the Life, like they hit that lyric of like, uh, turn you on. And there's that story about yeah. Paul and John looking at each other after singing that or writing the lyric on paper and being like, this is something new. This is. We're, we're crossing a, a line here because we are talking about drugs. We are talking about this. Is John trying to cross that line again, like a little sexually? And, and it's I, it's not as yeah. successful, I think. That, right? That's where I was going yeah. next, actually. There, there, I, there was a time in the late 90s or mid 90s where, you where there are all these like wet fictional <laughs> Beatles movies about like post breakup where all these like boomer directors wanted to like <laughs> film a movie where Paul and John uh like had a yeah. had a detente you know yeah. and we're like I understand like I hate, but like you know Are we talking about Julie Taymor? No, I think or you, was that across the universe? <laughs> yeah. No, there's there there was one early, there there's one before. It, there's there's had, if, there's a two very early that came out around the same time. I remember one was on like VH1 or something like that. Yeah. One may like start had Aiden a weekend Quinn. in New York and hung one out. One starred the guy who was also played John Lennon in Backbeat. Is yeah, that he's actually Scott, our guest on Scott Bakula, I think. <laughs> on the next episode. So <laughs> no, we bumped uh, we bumped Bakula? him for you. Count <laughs> Bakula. <laughs> uh, but like I remember there was one movie that like they made call it, it Bacula Beat <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even touched on Greg Dooley being part I know, of it I was, I was, I was like <laughs> where, where's my Greg Dooley intro to that uh, but there was one that made it like not overtly sexual but very very homoerotic where okay. it was like these are two lovers meeting up and I I kind of got that from this song, like, a little bit, where it was, mm. you know, like, yeah. you know, it, 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 it sure. goes to, like, like, Paul freaking out. And then, like, you know, John comes in with this very calm, like, one octave, you know, easy to sing part, you know. And, and there's something, I, I get it, I guess. I, like... I guess that's something I could dig out of the Beatles going forward, where it's like, who's writing for whom, and what's the relationship yeah. here? And I thought there I was something that, really interesting in that. That's huge right now. I I think that I think they are both hiding behind the fact that they love each other and that this is just coming to an end, right? Like all things move towards their end, and this is the end. All things and back. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Great record, Tommy. Where were you with that? <laughs> yeah. I was. You, yeah, you got it. Thanks. Um, and I think that it's fine, and I think they're recognizing it, and I think they just don't know quite how to come to terms with it. And so Paul is singing about fucking getting on a train, and John is singing about uh, you know having wet dreams and having long hair, and and Yoko is there. I mean, the rooftop concert, Yoko is right there, like sitting next to. Him. <laughs> 
I think they are similar to each other. I mean, it's just the end of the... What did I say? You said rooftop <laughs> I did not. I said... <laughs> We'll take a break. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> Scotty, this is the four hour uh, seminal episode. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Not even the first Ringo episode. Fun. So we've talked a ton about John and Paul and, and what they're up to, but like George is no slouch in this song. Like yeah. George is playing kind of a fun and slick lead that, that sort of uh, cements this song. Like it gives, uh, it, it is the sort of um, middle ground for John and Paul to, to marry these songs together. And he plays sort of a slick lead. And uh, when he is playing on the top of a building, He's <laughs> he's wearing like uh, Chuck Taylors. He's got like green trousers and that like ridiculous uh, like furry suit. But like, I love what George is doing. Like, I am pro George until the end of this podcast, till the end of my life. But like, George is George drives some of this tune. You know, I feel like all right. We're like, oh, uh, John and Paul are getting together for the first time in forever, but. George is is marrying this tune. Does, well, he's playing that Telecaster too. I think that's uh, like a, a great look for him and something we haven't seen on film before. Um, it, I also think that uh, him and Billy are playing together yeah. a lot. Billy Preston, and that's oh, that's really Bi- fantastic. Billy Starr, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just does an amazing job in the drums. And, well, this is uh, you know what, it, Scotty, great point. Like this is our first time bringing Billy Preston into the mix, and like. Yeah. what he adds to the Beatles and you know you kind of wonder so he does tunes on this he's playing on the rooftop concert he's finding his way into oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right by oh, rules of the podcast who's right on it tonight <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god are you kidding I got Holy shit. Cheers, boys. To George Clooney. <laughs> Casamigos. Um, oh, my God. All right. Woo! Yeah. So uh, we've got Billy here, is what I was saying before I said that dumb word. Yeah. Billy is starting Billy to here is almost means. like um, if, if there was a more modern day... Beatles thing. Billy is like that dude in some kind of monster who's just hanging out and sort of glomming onto the Beatles <laughs> but can't play piano. Yeah, exactly. You know, so imagine the Beatles if they like fast forward 40 years, but like Jesus. Billy Preston is doing that job, but he's playing electric piano. To be, you know? to be a so little he's like more really modern, he's like the take. cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. What else do you have of things that you uh, you had some stuff prepared, and I want to make sure you got in, uh, whether it makes it or not, like a, a chance to say it. For oh, get on my list. Yeah. What do yeah. You- uh, I didn't look at any songs pre Rubber Soul. <laughs> that was bullshit. Uh. My main thing is Beatles brunch exists for the same reason that Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. 
<laughs> Wait a minute, Damn. hold on. I like there's part of me that wants you to just run through all these, but that's an amazing sentiment. <laughs> we we've said a lot we've said a lot about this song. song. We've said a lot about this song, and I I don't know how much more I have to say. Like uh, I, I had a couple last little uh, handwritten bullet points here on a note that I, I just want to bring up for the sake of posterity, my friends. And, Talking about the concert on the... Yeah, on the on you the, know, I just want for history. I want history to know this is how I felt. Uh, bullet point number one, and that is, I just love Paul's voice on this song. I love what he's yeah. doing. I love that he's ripping Absolutely. into it. I love his like uh, guttural thing that is going on. This is like the best Paul voice, in my opinion. Comments. Yes. The ability no. to do so. I mean, Paul can do that and no other Beatle can. Without a doubt. This is Paul like proving his metal and um, can't take it away from him for us. So point number two, and I don't know that this one will even garner conversation or make it into the final edit. There is something uh, distinctly 60s for me in the quality of the song. I can't put my finger on it. There's something that feels like a hippie song to me here. Like it's almost Dear Prudence in a connection for me. Uh, It's got that same vibe. Maybe it has to do with John John's lyrics. Any comment there? I think this is very much of the times and the way that John wants to bring it in, but um, it's the Beatles sort of embracing that there is something bigger happening and they're no longer part of it. Like, I think that is a a big part of this tune. Um, It's not cool or edgy to be into the Beatles at this point in 67, 68, 69. It's not, it's not cool to be into the Beatles. Scotty, can you give us a little information about the list? Right now we have a uh, a five-song list. And at the very, very top is Long, Long, Long off the White Album. Then followed by Nowhere Man off Rubber Soul, Good Day Sunshine off Revolver, All My Loving from With the Beatles, and Tell Me Why off A Hard Day's Night. All right, we got to rank this tune. Um, and this song, I've Got a Feeling, off of Let It Be, is not going to be last. I'm, I'm, I have hope. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And here's what I'll say. like, It's not. It's above Tell Me Why. It's above All My Love. And, and then we get to Good Day Sunshine, Nowhere Man, Long, Long, Long. So we, we it's somewhere here in the top four. Um, Becker, any, any opinion on where you want to put this thing? I'm going to go in super hard, and I think this is the number one track that we've been talking about. Whoa. Scotty, wow. what do you feel about this? Is this better than Long, I, Long, Long? I put it above Good Day Sunshine and behind Nowhere Man, personally. <whistles> but 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 I'm I'm a tiebreaker kind of, aren't I? What do, what do you say, Tommy? Oh, my goodness. You guys are making me the tiebreaker right now? That's what has to happen? So Well, or, you know, we can make Mike do this. <laughs> Mike, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> Number one. I'm interested to hear Mike's opinion on. So, Mike, I like this song, I... <laughs> and none of the others. <laughs> Mike, have you ever heard? Like Taxman, go fuck yourself. Mike, have you ever heard the song "Long, Long, Long"? 
<laughs> All right. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sure I have, but I, I yeah. Is that on, is that uh oh is I that think, on Abbey okay. Road? I think this song is better than Nowhere Man. I'm gonna yes. say that. I think this song is better than Nowhere I know Nowhere Man. Man. This is a hard one for me, like is the tie breaking vote. Do I think that this song is better than Long Long Long? I'm going to say no. Right now, I'm going to say no. I think this song is number two on our list. I'm, I'm, and you're keeping Long, Long, Long at the top. Long, Long, Long's at the top. So we are right now. I'm cutting, I'm Which cutting just the tie just like a super whispered number where I feel like this song comes in super bold and, yeah, and tells you what okay, it's Okay, yeah. Fight, fight for your opinion right now. Tell me what you think. You are clearly ready to fight for your opinion. <laughs> you better fight. Yeah. Um, I I like this tune, and I love the Beatles. The song sing along is gonna be great. Yeah. All right, this song is number two. I've got a feeling is currently number two on our list. We're calling it a Paul McCartney composition from Let It Be. What what was number one? Long, long, long. We just talked right. about that. I love Jordan. <laughs> You've always said that. Oh my. That was another episode for Blotto Beatles. Thank you again for listening. I am Tommy. I've been here with my co-host Becker. He's in great yes. sorts. And uh, we're here with also our first, our inaugural guest. Thank you, Mike, for, for joining us. You want to close out with anything? Tell folks where they can find you on the socials. I just, I hope you don't record someone later and then uh, release it first. And then, uh, yeah, at Mazarosaurus, uh, the way it's spelled, at M-E-S-S-A-R-O-S-A-U-R-U-S. I don't know. It sounds right to me. <laughs> Perfect. Enjoy. That's great. Uh, this is a treat. This podcast was produced, edited, composed magically, especially after this episode, assembled by uh, executive <laughs> producer, the George Martin of New England, Scotty C, with additional musical supervision and assistance from our very dear friend, R.B., the B stands for Beatles. You can check him out at, at Ryan O'Brooks on all the socials. Huge thanks to him and to Thank Scotty you. for helping out on, on this music you've heard here and in future episodes. Please remember, this this show is performed by professionals. Enjoy Blotto Beatles and all your drinks responsibly. Don't forget, subscribe, rate us on your uh, favorite podcast app of choice. This was great times, my friends. Peace and love. Peace and love. Sunshine.